Hi, this is Corey Turner. And along with my wife, Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. How is everyone? Happy Christmas. Why don't you just lean over and give someone a Christmas elbow and just welcome them to church. Happy Christmas. And uh, so good to see everyone. If this is your first time back after nine months, welcome back. Just stay standing for a moment. Welcome back. Come on, let's put our hands together and welcome everybody back. First time back. You made it. You came back. We're so glad you did. And we know that there's still some more people. We're believing that by the end of January into February, everyone will be back all across our locations. But uh, super excited to see you and uh, have a wonderful Christmas time with your family. Today, as you've heard, we're starting a new series titled Your Kingdom Come. And we're going to preach all about the Kingdom of God for the next five Sundays. I'm going to be preaching every Sunday. So cancel your holiday plans. Cancel your flights. You can't go anywhere anyway. Come to church. Be a part of it. And uh, I just know that God is really going to speak to us today as we get into this. Why don't we pray? Why don't you just lift your hands and let's pray together just as an act of worship. Father, we thank you today as we lift our hands to you. Your word says to lift holy hands in prayer. We come to you, Father. We thank you for the presence and power of your Holy Spirit that is here right now. We thank you for the truth of your word that transforms us. I'm asking right now, as we've been singing Heaven Invade, as we've been singing Yours is the Kingdom, the glory and the power, as we've been singing these declarations, God, right now I pray sick bodies would be healed right now in Jesus' name. Lord, that the gift of faith would be given to people as I preach the word. That, Father, faith would come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That the shout of the King would be amongst us. And, Lord, your presence would be tangible, oh God, in this moment. And, Lord, despite the chaos of what's happening in the world, Christmas is a time where we remember there is always hope in the person of Jesus. There's always hope. There's always a future. There's always restoration. And Lord, I pray that hope would fill our hearts through your word today. As we focus on the kingdom of God and the power of it in our lives, reorientate our thinking. Open up our minds and our hearts. May we encounter you afresh, I pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. I want you to go with me to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 to 10, just two verses. And uh, Jesus is teaching the disciples to pray. And he says this in verse 9, Matthew 6, verse 9. He says, pray then like this. We've been singing it today. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Our series is Your Kingdom Come. I want to speak to you today on the purpose of the kingdom, the purpose of the kingdom. A lady by the name of Evelyn walked up to me uh, at our revival services last year, and she said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. And I said, tell me a story. And she said, several weeks ago, you came and ministered at our West, uh, Numa West location. And she said, I surrendered my life to Christ on that day. 
But that week, I had actually been diagnosed with cancer. She had a tumour in her neck the size of a golf ball and tumour on her left shoulder. And uh, she said, I came down the front, my kids asked you to pray for me. And so not only was I saved that day, but you prayed in the name of Jesus that this cancer will be removed and I'll be healed. And she was a medical doctor and she said, I understand full well what that diagnosis means and I understand the treatment that would need to happen. And she said, but before the treatment could actually uh, be finished or uh, really even get started, she said, uh, I went to the doctor and the doctor checked where the tumour was and couldn't find it and did all these tests and the tumours had completely disappeared from her body. And she said, I told the doctor, check again. And the doctor checked again. They still weren't there. She said, check one more time just to make sure. And all the tumours had gone by the power of the name of Jesus. She said, I was a skeptic, but now I'm a believer. Before Jesus began his public ministry, John the Baptist, who was a prophet, came with a message of repentance. And he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. He was speaking about the coming of the kingdom of God. And when Jesus showed up, Jesus continued that message with a slight uh, change. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is now here. In other words, the kingdom of God has arrived. The arrival of the kingdom of God in Jesus' ministry was primarily evidenced by a manifestation of power, not just a proclamation that the kingdom had come. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 28, If I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, then you know that the kingdom of God has come upon you. The kingdom, when it comes, is evidenced by signs and wonders, miracles and manifestations of power. And without a manifestation of power, we have to question whether the kingdom of God is actually present. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.20 that the kingdom of God doesn't consist in talk but power. There comes a point in our relationship with God and in our ministry as a church where it must move beyond talk to demonstration. And Jesus said that when you preach the gospel of the kingdom, signs and wonders will accompany that proclamation. So talk must lead to power. Unfortunately, modern church presents to the world at times an inferior view of the kingdom of God because often we're preaching a gospel other than what Jesus preached and any gospel other than what Jesus preached is a powerless gospel. Could it actually be that there is a correlation between the powerlessness of the modern church and the neglect of the gospel of the kingdom of God? Jesus spoke more about the kingdom of God than any other topic or any other message. The kingdom of God was the central message that Jesus preached. And yet much of the preaching and proclamation of the modern church is often not about the gospel of the kingdom, but about something else. You see, in the New Testament, the kingdom of God and Jesus are inseparable, just like a Collingwood supporter without teeth is inseparable. The kingdom of God and Jesus is inseparable inseparable. And so we've got to understand that if our mission is to advance God's kingdom across the nations, we have that written up in our foyer here at our city location. It's on our website. It's on our lips as staff and ministry team and volunteers. We exist to advance God's kingdom across the nations. If that's true, and that is what God's called us to in his word, we better understand what the kingdom of God is. 
We better understand what makes up the kingdom. Otherwise, lest we be proclaiming something that actually isn't God's intention for his church. And any discussion on the kingdom of God must focus on the person of Jesus and the gospel that he proclaimed. We are Numa Church. The word Numa means spirit, wind and breath. We're a church birthed in the power of the Spirit where the work of the Holy Spirit has built this church and moved through this church for 95 years. But it's the Holy Spirit that points us to the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ. Our worship goes towards the head, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus himself. And so it's imperative that we understand the gospel of the kingdom of God versus other ideas of the gospel. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout all the nations, the whole world, as a testimony to all of those nations, and then the end will come. Maybe one of the reasons why Jesus hasn't returned yet is because the church is preaching a gospel other than the gospel of the kingdom. And maybe we're not preaching it to the ends of the earth like God has called us to. The gospel of the kingdom is not meant to be contained within a cave church or a cave mentality. It's meant to break out of our lives and become the message that we are ambassadors of and we are ministers of wherever we find ourselves. You see, the gospel in Greek means good news. And I don't know about you, but there's a lot of bad news in the world. And this year, we've heard a lot of bad news. And in a world filled with bad news, this Christmas time and every single time, we need to be reminded of the good news, of the gospel of the kingdom of God, that Jesus came to bring us good news. And that is that the king has come and the king has arrived. And he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And every single believer in this room can have hope in the midst of hopelessness around us because of Jesus Christ is the bearer of good news. Romans 1.16, the Apostle Paul says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel that Paul was proclaiming? The gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom of God. Why was he not ashamed of it? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so if you and I are going to understand what the kingdom of God is, what the gospel of the kingdom is, we need to first of all highlight some distorted views of the kingdom. Because if any one of us were to be asked today, what is the kingdom of God? A lot of people struggle to actually define it, understand it. Many people don't really know what it is. And so we've all been, have got different ideas. Or maybe you've never even thought about the kingdom of God and how it applies to your life. And yet if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a citizen in the kingdom of God. And you're called to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. It's important that we dispel some myths of what it isn't so that we can understand understand what it is. The first view that sort of has been propagated over history is from Saint Augustine and he says this, the kingdom of God is essentially established through political rule over society. And so the kingdom of God has to do with money, military, might and state. 
And so at the collapse of the Roman Empire, the Roman Catholic Church rose to power, would ordain and anoint the emperor of Rome. And so Augustine's or Augustine, depending upon which school of thought you come from, he basically propagated this idea that the kingdom of God is essentially political in nature. And it was this idea that actually was a catalyst to the holy wars, so to speak, the crusades in the medieval ages, that that the kingdom of God should come through a monarchy, should come through political rule. And yet Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, my kingdom is from another world. In other words, I don't lead and I'm not a king by military might or by the, 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 the statues of your society. My kingdom operates out of a different paradigm. So the kingdom of God, it, whilst it influences the political system, is not a political kingdom. Now, the historical view, the second view, essentially says that the kingdom of God is all about what happened in history. It's focused on what God did in history, how God moved in history, not what he's doing today. And so it was great that we read about the miracles in Acts and the Gospels, but that was for that age. The kingdom is no longer relevant to us. And so we're all here just doing what we're doing. We're, we're following Jesus, but we can't expect too much. No signs, no wonders, no breaking into the kingdom of God in the earthly realm because the kingdom is essentially historical. Well, that's not true either based upon the teaching of the New Testament. When it comes to uh, the third view, which is the future gospel or the future view of the kingdom, this is the idea that the kingdom of God can only be experienced at the end of the age or when we die and go to heaven. And so the kingdom of heaven is not really relevant or accessible to us now. It's only going to be experienced at the end of the age when Jesus returns or we die and go to heaven. And yet that's not the gospel of the kingdom that Jesus preached when he came preaching the gospel of the kingdom is at hand. So those things are not ideas of the kingdom. The fourth idea that is propagated is what we call a social gospel or a social idea of the kingdom. And that is that the kingdom of God centers exclusively on relieving social ills and injustices and essentially ignores the spiritual dimension. And so the kingdom is all about alleviating poverty and dealing with societal issues. It's very much uh, sort of driven by the world's agenda of the various issues that are in the society and in the culture whatever they may be. And whilst the kingdom of God has relevance and ministers to alleviating issues of poverty, speaking to the injustices of society, the social gospel essentially ignores the supernatural and spiritual dimension of people's lives because the kingdom of God is holistic. It speaks to your mind, your body, and your spirit. And you can get everything right when it comes to the social issues of society and yet still spend eternity separated from God if you don't understand that you've got to repent of your sin and you've got to believe in Jesus and you've got to come into a right relationship with God. There are lots of wonderful charities and not-for-profit organisations that do a whole lot of good work when it comes to the social issues of our culture and yet not necessarily accessing the truth and the power of the kingdom of God because it ignores the spiritual dimension. 
And so we live in a nation and a culture where Australians are aware of the social issues, aware of the social challenges facing us, and have a heart and attempt to meet those needs, but don't want anything to do with the spiritual dimension, the supernatural dimension, and fail to realize the kingdom of God speaks to all of it, not just one part of it. We do not preach a social gospel. We do not preach a political gospel. We do not preach an historical gospel. We're not here to preach a future gospel, nor the fifth view, are we here to preach a motivational gospel. You see, the motivational gospel of the kingdom is this idea around self-help. It's a self-help gospel that's essentially void of supernatural power and any conviction of sin. The self-help gospel is all about how can you live your best life now? And it's very much focused on the practical areas of your personal life. And so it propagates the idea after the enlightenment of the 18th century that your faith is very private. It's very individualistic. It's all about you living your best life now. That is not the message that Jesus came to preach. He said, deny yourself, pick up your cross and follow me. We don't preach a self-help gospel here. We want to preach the gospel of the kingdom. A self-help gospel doesn't transform you at the root of your heart condition. It only ever deals with the symptoms of your life. In essence, it moves deck chairs around on the deck of the Titanic, but essentially the Titanic is still going to sink. It just looks a little bit prettier as it's going down. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? And you can help yourself till you turn pretty pink and you can get it all worked out and have the car, the house, the look, the image, the life and still go to hell because Jesus said, what will a profit a man if he gains the whole world and yet lose? his own soul. The church is not called to preach any one of these gospels or a little bit closer to home to the kingdom view is the heart view of the kingdom. And that is close, but not quite there. It's this idea that the kingdom of God reigns only in my heart meaning that Jesus' sovereign rule only extends to his people, the church, the body of Christ, and yet we forget that God's reign throughout eternity and throughout the universe is not dependent upon your moral obedience or upon my moral response. Jesus is King of kings and Lord of lords, whether you acknowledge it or not, and his sovereign reign and rule will extend beyond anything that man can do, and it doesn't matter what man tries to influence influence, ultimately God's sovereign expression of his kingdom will have his way in the earth. Whether this one's president or that one's president or this person is saying this or this superstar singing this, God is king and he will have his way in Jesus' name. So in contrast to these distortions of the kingdom of God, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God, one of the best definitions that I've ever heard of the kingdom, is the kingdom of God is wherever the king is among us. The kingdom of God is wherever the king, being Jesus, is among us. Now, I'm going to unpack that for you, but I love what Numbers 23, 21 says. The prophet Balaam was asked by a foreign army to prophesy doom and gloom and curse over Israel. And this is what the Bible says in Numbers 23. Balaam prophesied this. The Lord their God is with them 
and the shout of the king is among them. What a wonderful prophecy. What a wonderful description. In other words, you know what the world should do when it looks at Christians, when it looks at the church, when it looks at us as we gather together? It should say, the Lord their God is with them and the shout of the king is among them. When we gather together, let there be a shout of the King amongst us. When we sing in worship, let the shout of the King be amongst us. Let the world know that God is with us. And if God be for you, who dare be against you? You see, this idea of the kingdom, in the Greek, the word for kingdom is the word basileia. And the the idea of basileia is that the kingdom is not a place, but it's a realm a supernatural realm in which God rules and reigns. You see, a kingdom is made up of four elements. To have a kingdom, you need a king. You need a jurisdiction or territory. You need laws, principles that govern that kingdom, and you need citizens of the kingdom. Well, when it comes to the kingdom of God, guess who's king? King Jesus. Jesus is king. And his jurisdiction is the universe. The laws or the principles are the word of God. And Ecclesiastes tell us that the word of the king is supreme. And by them, he exercises his power. So when we declare the word and we declare God's word, that word expresses or manifests the power of God in the earthly realm. The citizens of the kingdom are you and I. If you're a follower of Jesus, a believer in God, you are the church. We are the people of God. We are the citizens in the kingdom of God. And so the kingdom of God is in full effect wherever the king and his will is in full control and full expression. So when we come to Christmas time and we're celebrating the good news of the gospel of the kingdom, we are celebrating the good news that Jesus preached, and that is that the king is here. Jesus is here to defeat Satan and his earthly agenda. The king is here to restore dominion to all of his children who have lost that at the fall of humanity in Genesis chapter 3. And Jesus, the good news of the gospel, declares and proclaims that now we can be reconciled back into right relationship with our heavenly father. That is the good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And so when you repent of your sin, which is more than remorse, it actually is not just feeling bad about your sin. And sin isn't a mistake, even though you may have unintentionally sinned. Sin is sin. It means to miss the mark, fall short when we live selfishly and rebelliously, when we live in hurtful ways, destructive ways, with pride and self in mind, we're living in sin. And that sin cannot uh, rectify itself. You can't save yourself. That's why the self-help gospel doesn't work because you essentially are not your own functional saviour. You need an eternal saviour, a holy saviour, a living saviour, someone who's conquered sin, Satan and death. And that's why Jesus is the only way the only truth and the only life because he's the only person who has both divine and human conquered everything so that you can have right access to the Father. So the good news that Jesus preached makes way for us to repent of our sin, to believe in Jesus. And when that happens, the Bible tells us that you are what we call born again. 
You're born once in your mother's, out of your mother's womb. That was a wonderful experience that you, thankfully you didn't remember. And then you popped out into the world. The Bible calls that born of water. And then secondly, when you come into the kingdom, you're born of spirit. And Jesus said, unless you're born of water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. But the moment that you're born, thank you, Jesus, that you created us in your image, but we're born of the Spirit, born again, guess what? The kingdom of heaven now lives inside of you. You are a card-carrying citizen of the kingdom of God. You don't need a passport to let customs know who you are or what you're about. That The identity of heaven is stamped upon your life. You're a child of God. You're an inheritor of every good and perfect gift that comes down from the Father of lights, of whom there is no shadow or variation due to change. I am preaching the legs off the table this morning because I'm telling you, when you get a revelation of the kingdom of God, it changes how you approach your life. You don't have to live with fear. There's not one person in this room that needs to go out of this room living in fear of what may happen to you, what's going around you, because the back of the book says the kingdoms of this world ultimately become the kingdom of our God and Jesus will reign for all eternity. We're on the winning side. So put away your born to lose tattoo and rip off that fear that's coming upon your life. You are destined to reign because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross 2,000 years ago. You're a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And when Jesus said that you are the light of the world and you are the salt of the earth, he was saying that you carry the kingdom inside of you. Your light, the light of the kingdom in you is to light up the darkness. The salt, that preservative seasoning effect is supposed to come out of you so that the world will taste and see that God is good. So much of what the church often offers up gives the world a sour taste, doesn't it? A bitter taste where people think, I don't want that. But no, the true uh, message of the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, the light of the world, the salt of the earth, you and I, we're supposed to live in such a way that what's in us comes out of us and the world can taste and see that God is good. And so that brings us to what the purpose of the kingdom is. And the purpose of the kingdom of God coming is to bring heaven to earth. That's why Jesus came, is to restore, to defeat, to reconcile, so that the the spirit of heaven, the dynamics of heaven would actually come to earth. And that's why Jesus said, pray then like this in verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, some Christians are trying to escape the chaos of earth to get to heaven whilst God is trying to get heaven into earth. And so we've got Christians that are just like, well, the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Let's jump on the rapture bus, punch the ticket. Let's go. And Jesus is like, hang on a second. I'm bringing heaven to earth. I gave earth to you to steward. I gave earth to you to walk in dominion. I gave earth to you. So your job is not just a job. Your job is your ministry. It's your platform for you to be an ambassador of the kingdom of God. If you're in the education sector, sector, be careful how you say that. If you're in the education sector, you better believe we need the kingdom of God to manifest in the education sector. I'll get away from that word. If you're in the arts and entertainment industry, you better believe 
that you're there to be an ambassador of the kingdom. And instead of just spilling out how awesome you are on your block, you actually declare the goodness of God over people's lives. All the music is just all about how awesome I am and how awesome we are and how cool we are over everybody else. There's only one superstar and his name is Jesus and he deserves our highest praise. So if you're in that industry, write lyrics that reflect the truth of the kingdom of God. If you're in politics, if you're in the corporate sector, you're an ambassador of the kingdom of God. Your job is your ministry. That marketplace is your platform that God's called you to be a citizen, an ambassador, a representative, a reproducer of the kingdom of God. So don't try and look for the rapture bus. It won't come. I'm telling you, if you look for it, the Bible says in the twinkling of an eye, when you least expect it, it will come. But until then, he said, occupy. Go and advance my kingdom. Occupy the earth. Be fruitful and multiply the kingdom of God in it. And as you do that, you watch the power of God confirm that word with signs and wonders, manifesting the truth and the love and the peace and the presence of God through your life. You see, when Jesus declared the kingdom of heaven is at hand, he was declaring that the kingdom of God has broken into the earthly realm. God's original intention in creating Adam and Eve, in creating the Garden of Eden, was for earth to reflect heaven. And he called Adam and Eve, he said, head into that garden, work it and keep it, be a steward of it, bring the principles and the patterns of heaven into the earthly realm. People say, we've got to get back to the Bible. I'm like, well, yeah, but which chapter? Because actually the restoration of the kingdom of God to your heart, my heart and planet earth is to bring us back to the purity and perfection and fullness of the Garden of Eden. Jesus is not trying to get you back to the cross. You go through the cross to get back to the original intention, which is the Garden of Eden. This is the revelation of the kingdom of God. This is ultimately what's going to happen on planet Earth, that the kingdom of heaven manifests in all of its fullness, that there are no more tears, no more sickness, no more pain, no more anguish, no more despair. That is where we're heading. We're not heading to despair and chaos and ultimate disillusionment. We're heading to the hopefulness of the truth of the kingdom of God. And that's why we celebrate Christmas, so that when the angels declare, Hosanna in the highest to the shepherds and the three wise magi, I love that, turn up to the stable and give gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. All of a sudden we discover Jesus, who is the ultimate King of kings and Lord of lords, doesn't need to be born in a palace because his kingdom is not of this world. He doesn't need the trappings of the success of this world. He is very secure in his identity and who he is. And even if he's in a feeding trough, he's still bad. He's still still the King. He's still the Lord. He's still supreme. Why? Because there is no one like Him. He's the fairest of 10,000. He's, he's a beautiful, blessed assurance that we stand upon in our lives. And I'm telling you, when we get that revelation, it changes how you live your life. You don't live with fear. You don't live with doubt. You don't live with these things. Those emotions may come. Those attacks may come. But you stand on the truth of who Jesus is and of who you are in him. So all of these things are available to us in the kingdom. More and more of this planet is to look more and more like heaven. So in heaven, there's no sickness, so we can expect to believe and pray for healing that people should be healed. 
Just because it hasn't happened doesn't mean it shouldn't or it can't. It's just you've got to bring your faith to that because faith is the currency that, of the kingdom of God that moves these things. More and more of planet Earth should look more and more like heaven. Why? Because of Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's intention is that this planet reflects the kingdom of heaven. What happens when the kingdom comes? Four quick things. Number one, God's presence is tangible. Can you feel the presence of God in this room? Can you sense the presence of God as we worship together? You know, the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, the kingdom of God doesn't consist in talk, but power. It's one thing to speak. It's another thing to sense, to feel. When the kingdom of God comes, God's presence becomes tangible. At our um, Closer Conference last year, we had 21 days of prayer and fasting leading into the conference. This year, or should I say next year, Revival Conference is in the last weekend of August. You need to sign up today. You need to repent and sign up for Revival Conference. And uh, we'd just love to have you there and host you there. We're going to fill this place. But at our conference, let alone our services, every time we gather, the tangible presence of God is felt, seen, experienced. God wants you to experience Him, not just pay mental assent to Him. He is to be experienced. The kingdom is to be experienced. Secondly... When the kingdom comes, Satan's agenda is defeated. Satan has an agenda for every single one of your life and for this planet. He's doing a pretty good job at the moment. And his agenda is to steal, kill and destroy. But the Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. When I was a youth and young adult pastor, I got a phone call one night. It was from the creative pastor. They said, one of our team is manifesting demons. And so uh, they like, and we don't know what to do. You come and help us out. I said, what is my number? 1-800-GHOSTBUSTERS. You deal with it. I don't want to deal with it. I'm going to bed. You love Jesus. You have authority in the name of Jesus. You deal with it. And that is true for every believer. But they're like freaking out. No, don't know what to do. So I roll up to the house. The dude I'm going to minister to doesn't know that I'm coming. The host opens the door. I step one foot in front of the door and this gravelly voice of the guy I'm going to minister to says, don't bother, Corey, we're not going anywhere. I looked at the host and said, well, at least I know I'm in the right house. And so, because I just have a positive expectancy that even when confronting the the hordes of darkness, we're on the winning side. We're going to win. So at least I know, at least I'm known in hell as well as in heaven. And so I stepped through the door and when I walked in and we ministered to this guy for about 15, 20 minutes, got dramatically, miraculously set free, marriage restored, having kids, now is a youth pastor at a local church, flourishing ministry because when the kingdom of God clashes with the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of God wins every single time. And Satan's agenda is defeated so that you can live out your calling and you can live out your purpose. Don't think that, you know, demons and all darkness is just the, 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 the fantasy of movies. No, it is a real thing. But you don't need to be scared of it. Why? Because Jesus has already defeated it. You've got to look at it through the cross and what Jesus has done. The third thing that happens when the kingdom of God comes is lost people get saved. Now, when we use that word lost, we're speaking about people 
that don't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. They're not reconciled and restored into right relationship with God. In fact, they may have rejected faith in Jesus, living life on their terms. In fact, you can be a part of a church and still be lost. You can have attended a church for 50 years and still be a lost person because coming to church doesn't make you a Christian. It's wonderful that we gather together, but it comes back to your faith and your confession and your lifestyle that corresponds to the reality of what God has done in your life. It's not following you as Lord, it's following Jesus as Lord. And so when the kingdom comes, lost people get saved because Luke 19.10 says, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. You know, next uh, Sunday morning, you want to be here at 11 a.m. because 18 people are getting water baptised next Sunday at 11 a.m. 18 people, isn't that awesome? Do you know this year alone online, nearly 500 people made decisions to follow Jesus? You know, over Easter, I think about 89, 90 people put up their hand and made decisions. Now, we all want them to turn up, but some of those people have made decisions all over the earth. This, this online service has been broadcasted all over the earth. A lot of people made decisions, but when the kingdom shows up, people who are far away from God get found and come home. Fourth thing that happens when the kingdom comes is new people, a new society is formed. Who's that? That's the church. Because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so every time we plant a church, every time we gather together, every time a lost person is found and a disciple is made, guess what? The kingdom extends. So Numa Perth is about to officially launch next year. They've already got over 60 adults, over 20 kids. And Jason and Olivia Staggers from our east location are now in Perth, ready to go out of quarantine at Cottesloe Beach, loving Jesus. And guess what? We're advancing the kingdom. Every time we plant a church, every time we send a couple or a team to go plant a church, we're building the kingdom. Because the church is the vehicle of the kingdom of God, to advance it. We are the church, not just me or the staff. We are the church. And we're all carriers of the kingdom of God. Wherever we go, we take the kingdom with us. So when Jesus said, pray like this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what he's saying. He's saying, pray for the immediate intervention of God's supernatural power in earthly events. He's saying, pray for the kingdom to come now. There are three expressions of the kingdom. So important you know this. One expression of the kingdom is the kingdom eternal. This is God's sovereign rule outside of time and space. It's weaving, God's kingdom weaves through the corridors of history, the pages of history, and it doesn't matter whether you pray or don't pray, God's sovereign eternal rule is going to take place, is going to happen whether you pray or not. And whilst we don't see the fullness of that yet, it's still been there from the beginning of time. That's one expression of the kingdom. Another expression of the kingdom is kingdom to come. That is the consummation of the kingdom at the second coming of Jesus and the total annihilation of the Antichrist spirit and the destruction and defeat of Satan in the lake of fire. That's the kingdom to come. So we have kingdom sovereign, kingdom eternal, kingdom to come. 
But guess what? The third expression of the kingdom concerns you and I right now, and that is the kingdom now. And the kingdom now is all about the immediate breaking in of kingdom power in the earthly realm. So when Moses lifted up his staff and the waters parted at the authority of the Spirit of God and the Red Sea parted and the nation of Israel walked on dry ground, what was that? The kingdom of heaven breaking in. When Daniel was thrown into the lion's den for praying to Yahweh and the lion's mouths were shut so that they wouldn't eat him, what was that? That's the kingdom of heaven breaking in. When Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead after being in a tomb for four days, what is that? That's the kingdom of heaven breaking in. When you and I and Evelyn and others have a miracle, signs and wonders, a manifestation of power, things pivot on a word, on a prayer, on a declaration, what is that? That's the breaking in of the kingdom of heaven. And when the kingdom of heaven manifests, what is spiritual and invisible becomes physical and visible. That's what it means for the kingdom to come. And Jesus wouldn't have asked us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, if he didn't intend it to be. Why would Jesus, why would our Father tell us to ask him for good things, tell us to ask for our daily bread, to ask us to be delivered, to ask him to be delivered from the evil one and to pray for the kingdom to come if it wasn't possible. And so many believers, uh, functional believers, uh, but, or, or should I say, they believe in their head, but they don't actually believe in their lifestyle. Unbelieving believers, where we hear it and we believe it in the moment, but our lives don't reflect this. Can I encourage you, expect the immediate intervention of God's supernatural power in the events of your life? I expect it. I believe for it. Just a few weeks ago, we had a, a Buddhist monk surrender their life to Christ, get totally saved, maybe, maybe here today. Welcome back. And why? Because the power of the gospel of the kingdom of God transforms people's ideas people's minds, people's approach. And this is the amazing privilege that every single one of us have. You've been invited in to actually play your part in shaping the history of the world. When we pray your kingdom come, when we preach the gospel of the kingdom, when we move in the power of the kingdom, when we serve the practical uh, outworking of the kingdom, be it a cup of cold water or a generous donation to someone in need, what are we doing? We're shaping history. We're actually bringing the power of the kingdom to bear upon situations and people's lives. And apparently there was some generation in the church that took this gospel of the kingdom very seriously, lived it, prioritized it, proclaimed it, because the Bible says in Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdom of this world has now become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And that's what we celebrate this Christmas, is that the King has come. And if you're a lover of Jesus, the King is with you. And wherever the King is, that's where the kingdom is. And the kingdom of light and salt and hope and power wants to manifest through you and out of you to transform the world around us. So can I pray for you? Why don't you stand on your feet with me? If you're here today and say, you know what, I'm up for it. I want to be a part of this kingdom. 
not just by mental ascent, but experientially. I got faith for this, or God, increase my faith. You may feel like that father, it's like, I believe, but help my unbelief. You know what? It's time for us to actually reflect the truth of the kingdom of God. I want to pray for you. Why don't you just lift your hands around this room right now as I minister to you. Father, I just pray right now for every single person in this room, people who know you, people who don't know you. Father, I pray that the truth of the kingdom, the truth of this message would come alive in our hearts today. The faith would rise. That Lord, right now in this room, sick bodies would be healed. Lung diseases would disappear. People who have had pain torment them for years. I pray and declare right now in Jesus' name, you walk out of this room pain-free, pain-free. You have a pain-free Christmas right now in Jesus' name. I pray, oh God, that deaf ears would be opened and blind eyes would see. I pray, Father, that people who have been oppressed by tormenting thoughts, that right now their mind would be clear. Their hearts would be free of those oppressive ideas and emotions that would afflict them and torment them. That right now in Jesus' name, we come against every lie of the enemy that has bound people up, that has told them that they'll never be able to achieve anything or do anything of significance. The devil is a liar. You're destined to reign. God created you. He's called you and He's anointed you to represent His kingdom. You are significant right now because of Jesus. And Father, I just pray all across this room that a manifestation of power would be upon our lives that we would believe and contend for the truths that we have heard today, that the kingdom would not just be of talk, but a demonstration of power, that the lost would be found, that the presence of God would be tangible wherever we go, that, Lord, Satan's agenda would be defeated in our lives and the church would advance your kingdom. We declare it. We believe it today. Thank you for joining us for this message today. We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Savior. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life, and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. 
you can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.